This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him and took hold of him, his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Matthew 28. Verses 1 through 10. Thanks, Sarah. The resurrection, Easter Sunday. Welcome. Got to get this stuff together here, sorry. You'd think I'd be more ready, but I'm not. I don't think they, I'm not sure they were ready either. It just happened, and that's okay, right? So, what can we compare to this resurrection event? Sure, Jesus did this a couple of times, at least three that we have recorded. One was a widow's son. Another was a man named Jairus' daughter. So some young people had died, and Jesus brought them back. And then the one that's probably famous even in the broader world is Lazarus, who he brought back from the dead. Now, Lazarus' sister, Mary, was is a part of our story today. But all three of those people, we don't have any record of them continuing to live on in perpetuity. They all, we assume that they died, but Jesus rose from the dead, and he, know, and he, lives, he lives on forever. He said he was going to do this. The religious leaders were aware of this scandal that it was going to cause if Jesus actually, like, disappeared after they had killed him. His disciples weren't exactly sure what to think about all this, but we in Christianity have built our religion around this singular event, the raising of Christ from the dead. But has it changed our lives? Has it changed your life? The resurrection is the catalyst for a good and joyful life. But before we jump into the rest of our story, will you pray with me? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, my name's Andrew, and there's a few things that I noticed from this story that I want us to kind of think about. First of all, it's the Marys, like, and I'll refer to them as the Marys a couple times, because there's Mary Magdalene, and there's the other Mary, and we're assuming that the other Mary is not Jesus's mom, but Mary, the sister of Martha. And so, what's fascinating about this kind of narrative that we see in all the Gospels is that the women are the first to know that Jesus is raised from the dead. Um, 
and actually the women are at the cross. The only record we have of any of the disciples being at the cross is John, and he's self-reporting, so we assume that he might be there, he might not be there, but he claims to have been there. But all the women are at the cross. The men all fled. His close disciples left whenever he was arrested, or kind of stayed close by, but we don't have any record of them being anywhere near. There's this man, Joseph of Arimathea, who comes and asks Pilate for the body and puts it in a tomb. And he and Nicodemus, another follower of Christ, prepare the body for burial. But then you have the women, they're the ones that show up to make sure everything was done right. So as women can do, they're good at that, making sure it's done right. Um, But they're present throughout the story. Women are the ones that are charged with telling others about who Jesus, that Jesus has been brought back from the dead. They're the first one to proclaim and preach this, this gospel, this sense that Jesus has been risen, and we're supposed to tell everybody about that. And so, in this story, we see that they're the first to see Jesus, and he's first to charge them with telling the others. They couldn't testify in court. Women's word, they were, in that time and place, were in, in that time and place specifically, were kind of second-class citizens, so they really didn't have a voice, so to speak. But Jesus didn't care about that. He doesn't care what your status in life is or if you're articulate or if you're eloquent or if you're smart or not as smart or pretty or not as pretty or whatever it is or handsome, not as handsome. Go through all those dichotomies if you want me to, but I won't. Jesus doesn't care about that. And so he used these women to spread this story. There's this earthquake that rolls this stone away from the tomb. Um, I think about this angel sitting on top of the stone, and I wish I could have found a more comical one, but this is pretty good. It's like, I'm just waiting for my ride. I did my thing. We're done here, right? And so where's the Uber? Where's the Lyft? Does a bus come by here? And he's waiting there after he's done this thing, and I'm guessing God and the angel worked together on moving this stone away from the tomb, but we have no sign of Jesus. It's not like Jesus came walking out of that tomb because we know from the other stories and from the other accounts is that Jesus is kind of like in Harry Potter world, and he's apparating all over the place, right? Because he can find, he, he just kind of shows up in these spaces. And so I'm guessing the, tomb, the earthquake and the ground shaking and this big stone being rolled away is more for the, I don't, know, I don't want to call it dramatic effect, but more for the, hey, pay attention to what's going on here because I'm doing something new. And so Jesus isn't right there present visibly. And this angel, it just it makes me laugh to have to think about this angel sitting on top of this rock telling them not to be afraid. Um, he says, do not be afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has been raised, as he said. And so their minds are blown. It's a whole scene. It's shocking because this is not something that's all that familiar to them. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead, but Jesus was the one that did that. They, I'm not sure they were expecting Jesus to, to do this, and they don't have any evidence of him either other than this empty tomb. The guards are there, and they either fainted or they played dead. 
I'm not sure. You've seen the movies where it's like if, if there's a bank robbery and they come in with guns blazing and everybody gets down on the ground, it's like, I'm going to just pretend that I'm, I'm dead because I'm not going to, I don't have a gun. I'm not, what, whatever that is. And so the guards, the men, are scared. The women are scared too, obviously, but they don't fall on the ground as if they're dead or felt, fall faint. And so he tells these strong women, go tell the others. And as I read it this year, I notice something that I hadn't really noticed before. And again, yeah, I know I'm a minister, so I'm supposed to read these stories every year, and you guys should probably read these stories every year as well. Um, but something I hadn't noticed before that kind of st- that struck me for the first time as we keep reading is that they left quickly. The angel gives them this message, and it says they left quickly with fear and with great joy. What's the... What is the implication of that? You know, we, we're familiar with um, having our emotions jumbled up, right? We get that with the birth of a child or with the death of a loved one. When, when, our, when a baby makes those first steps, there's kind of like that fear and that joy are interplayed there. When, when you turn 16 or 17 or 18 and you start driving a car, there's some nervousness, but there's also that fun, independent thing that goes on. You could put the... I don't know, you don't use the radio anymore if you're 16 years old. But you put the Spotify on whatever your playlist is. So there's that tension between anxiety and just fun. There's these first, these things that happen with us, whether it's a wedding or leaving home for good. But fear and joy, where do those two things play into this? And why fear? Was it the shock of the earthquake? Carmen and I are positive that we had an earthquake the other day but we didn't see anything on anything and so and we've lived through an earthquake when we lived in california and that was an actually you felt that you felt the room shake and that was pretty wild but that wasn't a fearful event necessarily it was just kind of like oh wow that was interesting but for the earth to shake i don't know if they have earthquakes in israel does anybody know but they had this earthquake and so that could be scary Maybe they were in shock. They saw this angel sitting on the, on the rock, and that angel speaking to them. They may be afraid because they know they really don't have any credibility for sharing this message. Or maybe they're like, are we seeing something? Did, was it something I ate? Is there something going on in my brain that makes this uh, even, is this some kind of uh, hallucination? Are they afraid of the angel specifically? The angel I showed you, there's nothing to be afraid of with that one. But I don't know what the angel looked like. Is it disbelief? Is it the fear that, like, am I really hearing what I'm hearing? Am I really seeing what I'm seeing? The biggie is the, unlo- the unknown, misunderstanding what's going on. How many times have we let the fear that we felt stop us from moving forward and doing the thing that we're supposed to do? But the women, they didn't, the Marys, they didn't stop, not this time. Maybe that's where the joy comes in, in taking that risk, taking the risk, moving forward, and telling the others the good news, even if you're not all that sure that you believe it yourself. They did it with fear and with joy. Then, just as they set out, they... they, they decide, okay, we're going to go do this. Then Jesus appears. 
He confirms their action. When they decide, we're going to go tell the others, that angel told us to do it, and they take off, and then Jesus shows up. They didn't let the fear overwhelm their joy. They didn't let the fear overwhelm their great joy. That's the impact of the resurrection. That's what it should have upon us, on our church, and our neighborhoods, and who we interact with on a regular basis. That joy that we get from this resurrection should be what compels us to share those good news. But what what fears are holding us back? You know, I'm afraid um, things won't be like they were. Jesus followers probably felt that too. Try to go back to where what it was like back in the old days. You remember when we were on that boat and Jesus was sleeping, and the we can't go back. We have to go forward. And so, but we're afraid that those were the good times. But Jesus is like, I'm doing something new in this world. So his followers must have felt that, those fears of things aren't going to be the way they were. I have fears. How are we going to continue to, to do what we're doing with Koinos? How are we going to continue to operate and fund this? And what are the next things that we're going to do that are exciting and new and different and they're going to have an impact in our neighborhood? Not always sure about what that's going to be and what that's going to look like. We're oftentimes afraid of the unknown. What if we try something and we fail? <clears throat> we've been inviting the neighbors to come and, and join us for brunch. We invite them for some events and things like that. And sometimes they show up for that, and sometimes they don't. I am an introvert, if you did not know that, okay? And I don't use that, don't toss that word around lightly. Um, but I feel compelled, and I feel like it's valuable and important for me to maybe begin to knock on some of those doors and just say, hey, we want to be good neighbors, how can we be good neighbors for you in this, in this space? How can we be everything that you need us to be? How can we make life better for you? And maybe how can you make life better for us? But I'm a little bit worried about that. The last time I knocked on people's doors to do anything was in 1990 in Marion, Ohio. And I was selling Southwestern Study Guys. And it did not go well. Um, so, but I made it out alive. I took a risk, right? And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't successful at it. It taught me a lot about my life. But I have something better to talk about this time. Study guides, great, whatever. Jesus, the resurrection, the sense that God wants our lives to be full of joy and grace and the good news. I can get behind that. Um, the, the fear of risk of being rejected or of reticence. You know, I don't think the Marys were too worried about reticence, but they probably were worried about the rejection. It's like, you guys are crazy. And actually, in one of the stories, the women go and tell the guys, and they are like, I'm going to go check for myself. And so two of them run off to the tomb because they're like, I don't know, whatever. But the women, they didn't have to go back and check. They didn't have to visit that spot again. The, in the midst of the fear, we can still tap into our joy. There's that hope, that discovery of, that, that anticipation that God is doing something new. The resurrection means we have nothing to fear. 
if Jesus conquered death, through him we can overcome any barrier to the kingdom being revealed through us. In a minute, we're going to sing a song together. Um, and I'm really happy because Julia and Dan, I said, hey, can we do this song? And it's like this big gospel, kind of big, probably need a choir kind of thing, which we don't have. So if you can figure it out, you can sing along. That'd be really awesome. Um, but there's this line in there in the chorus. I believe it's the chorus. It says, we're going to be reflecting your love. We'll walk in the light of your son. And it's called Rise. And because Jesus rise, because he rise, because he rose, we can reflect his love. We can walk in the light of the sun. If we act, we can, like the women, like the Marys, if we act, we can make a difference in our neighborhoods, in our work, our school, our families, our friendships. But we can't let fear overwhelm our joy. We tend to gravitate towards fear. That's why we do the things that we do. That's why we um, we have this kind of security society thing that's making lots of money. But we look for safety or for comfort. We look to minimize our risk as opposed to jump into risk. Remember when I was in um, my younger days and I was a youth pastor and the older I get, the, the, the less high up I want to go on stuff. And so, but we would do ropes courses with the kids. And as a 30-something-year-old man, I would have to prove that I could hang with the young kids, right? So we would get out. There was this one, and I can't remember when the name of the camp, but there was like something called a pamper pole. And so it's like a big um, telephone pole kind of thing, and it kind of moves a little bit with you, right? And so a little freaky, you're about 30 feet up. You have a harness, so you're not going to really fall, but you still feel like you might fall. So you stand on that pamper pole, and then there's this one element where there's the trapeze that's about 30 feet out. No, it's not 30 feet out. It's about, it feels like it's about 30 feet out, but it's about 10 or 15 feet out, and you're supposed to jump to that trapeze, and you've got to catch it. So you have to have a little bit of upper body strength, too. And you're like, mm, okay, first of all, this thing is swaying, moving a little bit, and then I'm expected to go out there. But if you have, like, teenagers all around you, and you're that 30-year-old guy that, you know, can do stuff, then you got to do it anyway. And so you take that risk. And you know what? The first time I did it, I hit that trapeze and just came popping off. Couldn't grab it. But you know what I did? Because I'm Andrew. I went back down, went through the thing, and I went back up there and I did it again. I was willing to take that risk. I did it again. Didn't make it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, well, I don't know if you know, I'm not going to go through all the iterations of this because on the third try, I did actually get it. But I had to keep trying. I had to keep doing it. I had to take that risk. And part of it was saving face with the kids. You know, half the kids couldn't do it either, right? But we did it together. We tried it together. And we didn't give people a hard time if they couldn't make it. You know, I felt awful because I couldn't make it because I'm kind of, our, our daughter, we joke about my daughter being that when she was like two, like almost the first words out of her mouth was me do it, right? And so I don't know where she gets that from, me and her mom, maybe. But I was going to take that risk. I was going to take that challenge to, to, to jump, make that jump. And if we as a church, as we as a community are willing to take some risk, are willing to step out there, willing to know that 
we serve this risen Savior, this person that rose from the dead, we can take risks. We can, I can knock on a few doors and say, hey, how can we make your life better? Maybe how can you make our lives better? What can we do together to make this area, this neighborhood, more like a joyful community? But we can't let fear overwhelm our joy. There's plenty of obstacles in the way. One of the ways that we can figure out how to maintain that joy, you know, it's like I don't feel very joyful. I feel kind of blasé. There seems to be some stuff that's going on in our lives that kind of brings us down. But as I read these stories, if I continue to go back to these stories in the scripture, I find little things like the angel sitting on top of the stone. And it just makes me smile. And we can look for those things in our scripture. And if you want to make up stories about that or have an imagination about it or draw a picture or write a poem or whatever it is, those things can bring us joy in our lives. The things that got in in the Mary's ways, they didn't let those obstacles stop stop them. Being women, being maybe afraid, being that sense that they might be rejected or that people would just say whatever or not believe them. They didn't let any of those obstacles stop them. And because they didn't, we're talking about them today. They got to be a part of something great because they took that good news to the rest. You know, there's some challenges that lie ahead for us as a church. The church, not just Koinos Church. I want to have Dan and Julia come back up here so we can sing that song together. But there are some challenges, and we need a resurrection catalyst. We need, some, we need to be able to get onto that flywheel. The challenges seem really big, and our joy seems really small, but if we attach just that little bit of joy to that flywheel, then we can build a catalyst for, being, for, for overwhelming the fear with joy. I hope you'll join me with that as we, like the Marys, go and share the news of the resurrection with others. Thanks for listening to the Koinos Podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time, be well, do good, and love others.